0: In an age with too many movies for one person to watch them all.
1: We are here for you.
0: I am Jody Berman-Kustanovich.
1: And I am Yechiel Hoffman.
0: And we are two movie Jews.
1: So many movies. So many more opinions. We're still standing, and I'm so excited to talk movies with you. It's been a little bit of a break for the Jewish holidays, and you as a Jewish synagogue professional yeah. uh, deserve all the kudos in the world for doing everything you can to give people a space to find meaning and connection. Me, on the other hand, as just a lay Jew during this period, because my professional work as a Jew doesn't uh, belong in the synagogue,
0: <laughs>
1: I am, uh, I'm kind of Jewed out a little bit, and I I can't wait to go back to the movie theater.
0: As you say, you say, as a rabbi. (laughs) I do have time
1: to sneak in a few streaming movies here or there, and sometimes, you know, when you have to stream a movie, you're just like, ooh, what is Hulu telling me to watch? And Hulu told me to watch this new movie called Rosalind, and I was like, what is this movie? It turns out it's a movie starring Caitlin Dever, who we both love and have seen in many things, whether it's the TV show Justified or the movie uh, Book Smart. But this is a movie about, uh, basically, can we tell the Romeo and Juliet story through the perspective of a side character? It just got me thinking last year, you know, both of us kind of like finally caught up to the tragedy of Macbeth, like after we had done our best ofs. Right. Just didn't watch it in time or something. So we never really got to include that. I, I think we're due to... Think about one of the greatest storytellers of all time, who is from a time long ago, and to ask the question, why make Shakespeare movies? Like, why is this guy who made movies 400 years ago that most of us will only read if we have to in high school? <laughs> why are there so many Shakespeare movies? I don't have the count on me. Maybe I can Google it right now while we're podcasting. Yep. How many Shakespeare movies are there?
0: Well, easily, uh, when I was looking through, I found easily 150, and I would say that there's probably even more. And, you know, there's uh, not only that, there's two kinds of Shakespeare movies, right? There's the straight up Shakespeare movie, and then there's the... Modernized, you know, anything from Nomeo and Juliet to 10 Things I Hate About You, like that. Right, they're riffing things. off
1: of a Shakespeare play and characters.
0: Exactly, exactly. And so, you know, or like
1: the stylized versions, like the Baz Luhrmann, Romeo and Juliet.
0: Exactly. And then there's, you know, Kenneth Branagh, who produces the straight ahead. You know much to do about nothing he produces uh all's well that ends well, and he as you i think he produced as you like it like very much the straight ahead reproduction of a typical Shakespeare with uh costume design and meant to be dated in Shakespearean times, so it's really it's really interesting and then. You know, there's quite a few of the like, hey, did you catch this? This is a like Shakespeare in Love. Uh, it's a regular story. It's about Shakespeare. But oh, wait, wait. It turns out that it's actually a, you know, it's it's actually an inspiration for an actual Shakespeare play. So it's it's fascinating to me the different movie takes on Shakespeare films. And then you know you get some truly inspired performances yeah you get the king lears and and uh you know al pacino
1: hopkins and yeah Titus hopkins, and
0: right you get great
1: mckellen Richard the
0: right exactly so it's really it's very you know i once had an english teacher say all possible storylines have been written by shakespeare so it's
1: possible that Shakespeare also took all possible storylines from other people.
0: So. Especially from Marlowe, right? So it's 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 an interesting idea that um, there's there's fertile ground for really outstanding performances, eat uh, whether done straight ahead or whether done in a non traditional way, like Tragedy of Macbeth. So listen. I I just named like even other- tragedy
1: Macbeth like I would say if we're gonna talk about Shakespeare and cinema there's there's things like tragedy Macbeth which are cinematically stylized and choices are made in terms of what's what's shown on screen but even on on, on stage they do that they edit it stuff but it's still it's it's Shakespeare's language it's Shakespeare's story then there's like okay we're gonna modernize this we're gonna tell this story in a completely different way not using so Kurosawa was doing that when he adapted you know, Shakespeare's Macbeth, Um, 10 things I hate about you is like, we're going to modernize this, but we're still going to get the, the central career of the story. And then there's this fascination with Shakespeare himself, which, Mm -hmm. you know, you mentioned Shakespeare in love is like one of the most famous ones, but there's other ones as well. I'd love to think about those three things and like ask the question, like, why do we need Shakespeare? Like either straight up, either modernized or movies about Shakespeare itself. And then the last one, I, I really think like, listen, we've been making who you said, like there's probably like 500 Shakespeare movies and TV shows, especially if you go into like British television where they make like one of the day. I wasn't alive for the Lawrence Olivier, you know, like era or even the Zephyr era. So I would love if we can keep our conversation to like our era, like what was the stuff made in the eighties and, and till, you know, today, what did that do to our sense of pop culture? Why was it important for us to be able to see Shakespeare on film when we're not necessarily seeing Shakespeare on stage as regularly? Yeah. Um, and how did it change it for us? How did it make it accessible or, or familiarize it with us to the certain movies that we play? And obviously, you can't talk about anything in the last 40 years without talking about Kenneth Branagh. Like, he is the reason. There's Shakespeare on cinema in a lot of ways. Yeah. And I think we have to give specific attention to some of the movies he made. Let's start off with a fun one, I think, which is modernized Shakespeare. And like, what has that done over the last 40 years? And what are some of the movies that stand out for you that have taken Shakespeare and tried to make it more contemporary, um, either in setting or, or even like changing the language of the story? And Rosalind is a recent example.
0: Yeah, and actually, I will say, I thought Rosalind was a and it's on uh, Hulu, I think. I thought it was delightful. I really enjoyed the film. Uh, you know, it, it starts off with Rosalind and she's dating Romeo in secret and all the things unfold i think she she's a cousin she's a capulet cousin i believe i thought everyone in it was wonderful i almost they were doing it in such a modern and fun way that you know even down to romeo begins to speak in shakespearean language and rosalind's like why are you talking like that why are you talking so weird you know and you get the feeling right off the bat at like how sweet this is going to be. How adorable this is going to be. And I I really enjoyed it. Did you get a chance to watch it?
1: Yeah, I did too. And I found it to be enjoyable. I didn't find it to be like the best movie I'd ever seen. But I thought the idea of it was really interesting, especially how it really shows you that like if you if you shift their perspective through a different character, like in this place, it's like 180 degrees. It's Rosalind barely see her. It kind of shows you stuff about some of the other characters particularly Romeo wow this guy's actually a player like he's yeah. actually been doing this like cross town you know that he's in love to play stars but showing it through her lens and the way he quickly shifts his allegiances and, and the fact that he uses the same poems yeah. to woo his women I was like oh this is delightful like the way that they just played with those things and the nurse I wanted more mini driver I will say I thought she was one of the best things and we never Beautiful. we see love of her
0: beyond. Um, beyond terrific i mean she's always good but this was a great role for her i love that they kept referring to her as nurse and she's like yes i am a registered." like somebody is there a doctor in the house yes i am a professional i went to nursing school my name is linda or whatever it was you know janet, like oh janet that's right she was so good uh, so i thought i kept
1: thinking like this would be an interesting approach we've seen 500 000 women juliette's done what if we did take other characters and we was able to see Shakespeare and his stories through a lens that otherwise uh, we we haven't seen before. I know Rosalind was based on a book before it was a screenplay. So it's not like just like a new idea. Somebody's been already thinking about this. I know there's another one. I don't know if you saw it the Ophelia, which takes yeah. the story from Ophelia. I didn't see it. Did you see that I one? I did
0: see it. I did see it. And um, it was, it was also very well done, obviously not a comedy, um, but a a very interesting take through the lens of ophelia you really begin to understand her madness so it was it was really cleverly pretty brilliantly done i have to say and where did i watch it i think it was on but we'll obviously we'll we'll put all the streaming services in the as we always
1: do in our show notes
0: the performances were really good and it was a really interesting way to play out Macbeth, you know, it was watching her come into her own person in a different way. And interestingly, both
1: Ophelia uh, is uh, Hamlet.
0: Uh, Hamlet, that's right. Ophelia and Rosalind were able to um, bring out a feminist narrative in not traditionally. Fe- I mean, you know, you could argue that. Um, that Shakespeare had some really great women characters and not not all weak women not all damaged women not all you know women struggling with mental health and in both Ophelia and Rosalind they were really portrayed as strong feminist characters Ophelia saying, like, I don't just want to get married for, you know, for no reason. I, I, I have a, a, a personhood who says I don't want a career, you know, and I thought in both cases it was kind of a bold choice.
1: Yeah, it's very interesting. I, I think the movie that like, for me started off this whole like approach was 10 Things I Hate About You, which is by Gil Younger. And I think you watch on Hulu now if you haven't seen it. It's, it's a great it's a great teen comedy in its own right. But yeah. it is based on this great Shakespeare play called Taming of the Shrew. They just do such a wonderful job. It also has one of my favorite actors, uh, George Silk and Levitt, in a wonderful and delightful part. Pop- but also a young Heath Ledger.
0: Yeah. I believe
1: it's the first American role. But it was it was a movie that really started saying, like, hey, if Shakespeare was writing a comedy about a bunch of teens, which is yeah. essentially what Taming of the Shrew was, this is how it would play out. And it, it really works. Yeah. Um, you see how all the dynamics that Shakespeare was playing with amongst different characters like still are playing out in 20th century, late 20th century, you know, dra- drama and teen world. And I, I just think that is phenomenal. And it's obviously not a new idea. Kurosawa is a great Japanese filmmaker. I love to adapt uh, Shakespeare movies and put them into the Jap- Japanese samurai uh, yeah. genres. Um, so it's not a new idea to take like a genre, like, like a teen comedy, which was very popular in the late nineties and, you know, take Shakespeare and, and, You know, adapted into it, Um, but it was just great to see. I think the other type we talked about is like a more straight uh, adaptation where you still use Shakespeare's language, but you put it into contemporary setting. The two movies that stand out for me doing that was uh, Romeo and Juliet, which came out, I believe, ninety six, and Hamlet, uh, Mm -hmm. which came out in two thousand with Ethan Hawke. Uh, You know, Leonardo DiCaprio, Ethan Hawke, two like hotties from the nineties. You know, but that there was it was really great Shakespeare, even though. Now, Romeo and Juliet is much more highly stylized. I don't know if you got a chance to catch that lately or if you're...
0: Not recently. I mean, I'll, I I agree with you. The one that really stands out for me is Romeo and Juliet, which I did watch recently. And, you know, it was the first time that I think it came out before, I want to say, before Moulin Rouge. Yeah, and like was- five
1: years. Right. But it's all so it set was- up.
0: You can see Moulin Rouge in that. Yeah, movie. absolutely. Like- and-, and it's Elvis. This was my first kind of Baz Luhrmann on my radar uh, film. I think I'll tell you the moment that really stood out for me, because I I, want to reference how many of us, what you said, like had, quote unquote, had to read Shakespeare in high school or college or wherever we were reading it. And the thing that is so true about Shakespeare is that it's not meant to be read. It's meant to be heard and seen. Yep. And what I remember to this day about Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet, there's a scene where the Montagues and the Capulets, they're arguing and, you know, it's, and it's like, I think they're at a gas station. Yeah, and it's beginning day, of the movie, right? And there's a moment where one of the characters, and boy, it would be impressive if I remember if I remembered which, said, I bite my thumb at you, sir. Right? And now, I don't know, like when you just hear that, it, do, it doesn't mean anything, particularly if you read it, it doesn't mean anything. And here were these rival gangs, and the guy says, I bite my thumb at you, sir, and he bites his thumb, and you're like, oh my God, he's giving him the bird, right? He's flipping him off. And in the even the way they did it in this modern context at a gas station with Shakespearean language, It brought it to, for me, brought it to life. And it was was that moment in the film that just, it exploded my mind because you have to see it. You gotta, you can't just hear the language, especially Shakespearean language. You can't just hear it, you got to see it. And I remember thinking like, that's not something that I would necessarily understand as a phrase until you see like how offensive it is on screen.
1: Yeah. And I think there's a lot of that, you know, how he uses uh, visual metaphors or to be able to play with the language. Two scenes really sound for me that way. One is the masquerade scene mm-hmm. where, where we do first meet, which is really actually does not have a huge amount of dialogue. And you can tell anybody staging this, has to come up with a way to depict this big scene and the, the first interaction. But the way he does it cinematically, dressing her with that angel costume, he's and he's dressed as a knight. Like, they're both embodying the things that we most stereotypically associate with their characters and that meeting they do around that uh, aquarium. Mm. And they see each other through that. It's the way... You can't do that on stage, even. That's a cinematic moment done with lighting. They actually had all these tricks they had to do because they couldn't shoot through the aquarium when it had water in it. Yeah. And amazing. The other one that really stands out for me, which I never, I always was confused about in the play, but they do so well, is the scene where he's hiding and how they depict how the messenger can't reach him in time or mm. can't deliver the the message in time. But they do it like a delivery guy who can't find the right address, and it's just like, oh, not only. Because they're doing it in a contemporary way, because they're doing this visually through cinematic means, it actually now makes sense how this isn't just random Shakespeare stuff to make plotting work. This is actually like how this is all being manipulated, how chance Mm -hmm. is as much a part of this whole plot as anything else. And
0: I'll tell you, I want to reference that aquarium scene as well, because I think it's in that moment when Claire Danes becomes a real actress. Right. She had been uh, she had obviously been on TV and she was so good in that show. Um, but I think that aquarium scene, like it changed my view of Claire Danes and the rest of the film became much more of a platform for her as a spectacular actress.
1: hundred percent. Starting
0: that. in that moment.
1: And I, I don't know. I can't remember, I remember reading some of what was the first scene she had to shoot. And it was not an easy shoot for her, apparently. Hmm. But she really was phenomenal as this film. Because she is clearly younger than Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. And she is able, from an actor's perspective, able to hold her own with him um, in such a dynamic way, emotionally and everything. It's just fantastic.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. I'll tell I, you I want last... uh, Hamlet. And if you haven't gotten a chance to see it, I hadn't, in, uh, I'd seen it in theaters in like 2000. I was a real big uh, Shakespeare fan at that point. I liked Ethan Hawke. I had not really heard of Michael Armandalia who made this movie. And it basically takes place in the 2000, like in the 2000s, in a big metropolitan city. Mm-hmm. And it really could be the tech world of today. It's almost like prophetic in a lot of ways. Right. But the way it just does Hamlet, I, I just think it's my favorite depiction of Hamlet because it's somehow by bringing it into contemporary society, uh, it raises the stakes for me to understand what is basically a royal court kind of play. Some of Shakespeare's right. play about the world, about the court and just the neat, how they deal with the ghost uh, of Shakespeare's father. The amazing thing to be or not to be is done. He's a, a uh, in this, uh, not Shakespeare's father, a Hamlet's father. Hamlet is a filmmaker in the movie, which makes so much sense because he's so like, Inward and awkward, and, re- and also reflective. And he's lost himself, like filmmakers are. And he's walking through a blockbuster store and he's saying the famous uh, monologue of To Be or Not to Be. Yeah. And just the way that they use the contemporary setting to comment on the way we interact with this Shakespearean uh, text is unbelievable. And it has some great performances um, throughout as well that are yeah. just so worthy. Leah Shriver is amazing, this movie. Yeah. Um, um, it's it's worth seeing for anybody who has not, It's twenty something years, and especially because Ethan Hawke is having his like you know third life now as an actor. Yeah, um, it's really worth checking out. Um, that film as a very interesting way of contemporizing Hamlet.
0: I'll tell you, I have a couple modern, like fun modern favorites. Yeah. one that really counts as a Shakespeare movie, and one that doesn't but really uses Shakespeare so beautifully and the two are um she's the man 12th night happens to be my favorite Shakespearean play I think partly because my brother played Sir Toby Belch when he was in high school he played uh you know the funniest character in the show but also you know obviously Shakespeare in love invokes 12th night but do you remember She's the Man with Amanda Bynes?
1: No, I totally remember it. And also the reason the why 12th Night Stands is we mentioned before Shakespeare in Love. And that's the play they're putting on Shakespeare in Love. So I knew that play. Yeah. off and read it. And so She's the Man. I was very interested to see like how they do that. That's a great example. Yeah. It definitely only happened because of 10 Things I Hate About You. It was like, yeah. oh, that was successful what else can we do this with
0: it without a doubt and then the other one and this is truly and I'll, i one of our listeners and he knows who he is he saw this film with me and the movie renaissance man with danny devito uh he plays a guy who comes to an army base and is kind of teaching uh what they call the double d's the dumbest dog shit people who aren't going to make it through basic training not because of their skills, but because they somehow aren't smart enough. And Mark Wahlberg is in this film and Danny DeVito is in this film. Gregory Hines plays the army captain. I mean, it's just, it's such a great film. And they use, uh, he teaches Shakespeare to these young people who are, you know, who are thought to be not smart enough and how they take Shakespeare in and in fact, one of them, Gregory Hines, who's the a sergeant, I think, he is very skeptical of all this learning. And at one point, they're training and they're training and it's the rain. And he wants to kind of embarrass one of the guys. And he pulls him aside. He's like, tell me what you've been learning. And the guy delivers a picture, perf- a letter perfect uh, monologue of St. Saint- Saint Crispin's Day, which I think is from Henry V. And... It I I'm sobbing I'm literally crying my little eyes out because he you can see how Shakespeare touched him. In addition, they decide they're going to surprise Danny DeVito. This little crew of of learners, and they take um, Hamlet and they turn it into a rap. And they're doing the like double DMC, the place to be. And the and what's her name, Stacy Dash, is going Ophelia. Ophelia, and I don't know. For me, I want to count this as a Shakespeare movie because there's so much Shakespeare in it.
1: I think there is a is a category of movies that have Shakespeare in it, like Hamlet or
0: yes. And I want to take Renaissance Man as the best of the lot.
1: (laughs) I'll just mention two other movies that I think are indirect adaptations. One is O, which was also following the making of 10 things about you this is a basketball movie which is its own teen drama uh uh, genre and it was starring Mackay pfeiffer and i believe also julia styles who was also in because she loves to do the shakespeare yes Um, and another one which you and i both know very well and since we're only doing things after the 80s we'll do this as the most recent remake of west side story which is just another adaptation of romeo and juliet yep and if you didn't know that people Shame, shame. Jeff and the
0: sharks, the Montagues, the Capulets.
1: Yes. So right? this the is, cousin
0: dies. The brother dies. Like just a little West reminder. West Side Story is it. just
1: Romeo and Juliet set in the Upper West Side. Right. Uh, so those are our adaptations. Um, if we're thinking about some of the more direct, like let's go make a Shakespeare movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I really think there's like three types of movies that we see. There's comedies. There's like histories, and there's tragedies. Yes. So. Um of the three, when you wa- if you're gonna watch a Shakespeare movie, what is your like preference? A comedy, a history or a tragedy?
0: Uh I'm probably gonna go with the comedy. I'm probably gonna go with the, the 1996 version of Twelfth Night. It's such a great film. And I have to say, like really one of the one of the better like straight ahead adaptations, I thought it was, very well done. And, you know, all star cast, Ben Kingsley, Imelda Staunton, Nigel Hawthorne, you know, all, all, Helena Bottom Carter, just really the best of the best of Shakespearean actors. But it's such a delightful film. It's such a delightful story. And it's it's very farcical, right? Like there's uh there's a lot of mistaken identity and uh, and fooling and I, I look like a boy because i have a hat on right i just i think that there's um there's something really special about that version with helena bottom carter is it helena or helena i don't know um but i think that's one of the better ones which one would be yours i
1: think my favorite comedy and we'll you know we'll mention this is a Kenneth kind of Branagh film so we'll talk about him in a moment yes we'll hear his name come up a bunch Um, is Much Ado About Nothing. This actually might be maybe my favorite Shakespeare adaptation, period. But it's definitely my favorite comedy. Um, I just I love it. I love that play, but I also love just everything about this movie. It is cinematic. um, It has one of the best closing shots I've ever seen in a movie, which is this amazing screenshot after much of the movie is very much to the ground. Um, It's just it's a love song to Shakespeare in making this into a movie. And it has amazing casting, though Keanu Reeves in this movie is a little questionable to me. But And Michael <laughs> Keaton has the weirdest, maybe, Shakespeare performance I've ever seen. But the amazing work by Kenneth Branagh and Emma Thompson, mm. who at that time were still a couple. Yeah. Um, Denzel Washington in the first leading role he took in a Shakespeare uh, film is just like so noble so like so endearing it just has a, a way of of making you feel like you want to be with these characters and you're mm. living with them and, mm. and it also plays with a lot of that like mistaken identity and there's a playfulness and and it's so serious there's serious stuff at play yeah there's, there's you know real threats but as in Shakespeare's best comedy it's like none of that matters compared to the frivolity of it and, mm. <laughs> I, I just love that, love that version. Yeah. Um, any, uh, we, and we'll maybe come up with another comedies when we talk about Brona again. Um yeah. What about like for are there any of the histories that, uh, that uh, over the last you know forty years that stand out for you?
0: Yeah. Well, I I have to say, is it Al Pacino did Lear? Is that right? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I know for sure he did Merchant of Venice. Merchant of Venice. That's the one I'm thinking. And then of. he did so, another one I,
1: based on, I think, Richard II called Looking for Richard, which is really a movie yeah. about making a movie. It
0: was kind of a documentary, right? It was, Yeah, it was
1: a movie about making a movie. Kind it of.
0: was actually an excellent documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, I have to think about it because none of them really stand out to me. Do you have one that really stands out? I, mean, to I have
1: a few. I, I will say maybe my most the most interesting Shakespeare to watch is Titus which is by Julie Taymor of uh, Disney's Lion King on Broadway fame. Yeah. Um, Titus is with, uh, I think it's Jessica Lange. I think it's Anthony Hopkins. It has an amazing cast. It is so amazing to look at. Mm. It just, you know, you're not watching stage anymore, even though it is very stagey at times.
0: Mm. It's
1: not my favorite play. That's the only thing that holds me back from it. I don't love the Titus play, uh, especially when they start eating, you know, Man Meat Pies. Ew. Uh, that's a major plot point of Titus. Hell, no, I have not seen this film. <laughs> or read this play. And Richard the Third with Emma McKellen is fantastic. The way it's done is basically like Richard the Third is a fascist, you know, 1940s Hitler, essentially. And it's yeah. shot in that era. But my favorite is probably Henry V, which was the mm-hmm. first like thing that launched Kenneth Branagh uh, into his career. I think it was his first Oscar nomination. Uh, it is the... The monologue that he's given that you referenced from Renaissance Man uh, is one of my favorite scenes in a movie period. I'm mm. uh, trying to rally the troops before they uh, go and attack the French. And it's just unbelievable. About- the kind of in this film is just transcendent. It does have uh, Emma Thompson as a French princess. Those are my three favorites, Titus, Henry V, and Richard III that are worth seeing as things. And then there's the tragedies. So we've already mentioned like Romeo and Juliet in, you know, uh, Rosalind and uh, Baz Luhrmann and also West Side Story Form if you go earlier everybody they're, they're famous Zipfarelli uh, one there's Lawrence Olivier one um, this is one of the I think this is the most film play of Shakespeare's right um, but what are some other tragedies that, that stand out for you we mentioned a few before but
0: yes and I have to say the tragedy of Macbeth I think really rose to the top. And I'll say...
1: The recent one by Joel Cohen.
0: Yes, by Joel Cohen, recently Not all sorts of nominations. Denzel was nominated. Um, the film was nominated. It was really just an incredible film. Um, you know, I think you're going to laugh, but the very first Shakespearean film I saw, I was in middle school at the time, called Junior High. And it was the Romeo and Juliet film from 1967. And we, you know, I saw it probably 80, 81, 82. And it was the first time that I had seen Shakespeare translated into a film. And it really was done beautifully. And I I suppose I would have to rewatch it to remember it very vividly. But um but it still stands out to me. Like I can still picture all of the characters. I can still picture the thrill of hearing lines that we had just studied in class. And you know, obviously our teacher took us to the to the movies to see them to see the film because we had just read it in class. And I don't know if it's just a, a situation of like first time, best time. But I, I got to say, like, it really still stands out to me as one of the best reproductions of a Shakespeare play onto film. Do you have one that really stands out for you?
1: The tragedy is hard because I think my two favorites are... My favorite tragedy is, I don't know, it's either Hamlet or Macbeth. And there's been so many great ones. I'm not a huge fan of the one done with Mel Gibson, but... Um,
0: well, he's dead to me anyway. So. Yeah. but
1: And, and <laughs> quite handful. frankly, the Bronock one was so long. I mean, they did it in full. It was like four hours. I remember I had to be a double VHS version of that one at one point.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: I do yeah. think it was Beth. And I actually think my favorite one is the one made a few years ago with Michael Fassbender. Mm. Um, and I can't remember the which actress is playing Lee Macbeth. Was it Monica Bellucci? I, um, I'm so embarrassed. But it was with Michael Fassbender. And I was just. I mean I I don't know because I grew I when I was in film school I watched the Orson Welles and the Roman Plansky ones Mm. but I don't want to rank those because they were done in the 60s and 70s yeah I do think I like what they the co what uh Joel Cohen did I thought it was phenomenal but I also think like not enough attention got given to the Michael Fassbender one which was really great
0: interesting
1: uh, a few years ago but like I, I still think, like, hey, Macbeth and, and uh, Hamlet are my the two tragedies that stand out for me. I know they're the most popular, and I know there's yeah. others that are really good. Yeah. But they're they're so well done and crafted and built up and layered.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, and and I know- there are
0: so many versions of Hamlet. And I'll tell you the one that I'd like to see. Um, I think the BBC put on on TV... Um, the Royal Shakespeare Company's version of Hamlet uh, with David Tennant and uh, Patrick Stewart. And of course, David Tennant is my favorite Doctor Who, like any rational person. Um, But that's one that I would like to see because I think the two of them are such phenomenal performers. And, you know, Patrick Stewart, Ian McKellen, they've got to easily be considered along with Kenneth Branagh, maybe the the godfathers of soul when it comes to Shakespeare, right? Anything I was once listening to Ian McKellen being interviewed by Mark Maron, and he just burst into Shakespeare just at at a at a clip, right? No big deal. Let me just do this monologue, this monologue. It's so baked into him as an actor, and I think the same is true for Patrick Stewart. And i think that kenneth branagh you know i he's done several uh several of these he much ado about nothing i think is is one of my favorites that he produced i know it's not a tragedy but uh he really he really gets shakespeare it just it's clearly it's part of his dna
1: yeah i mean i think it's part of his training first of all but i think there's something he finds and relates to and we'll, and I think that gives a good transition. And talking about Kenneth Branagh, like he's made one, two, three, four, five, six by Shakespeare.
0: Yeah.
1: And Henry the Fifth is the first. The Much Ado Nothing we talked about both of those. Yeah. The Fifth very critical film in terms of Shakespeare's uh, histories. Much About Nothing, one of his best comedies. Othello he made uh, in ninety five with I believe Lawrence Fishburne mm. uh, was phenomenal. He, yeah. Most he did Hamlet with he starred in. You mentioned that. I think he got another Oscar nom for that. He also made another comedy called Love, Labor's Loss, which he I think yeah. was his, the only one that he uh, contemporized. And it's an interesting comedy. It did not get a lot of attention. And then he made, which d- went directly to HBO, As You Like It, which is another comedy, which yeah. has a lot of the Twelfth Night elements. I'm not a huge fan of As You Like It. I'm if not either. I watched place, it recently. It takes place in feudal Japan. It's all about colonization. It's some really weird elements. Yeah. Okay. Um, the play, the play was fast. The movie is fascinating, especially the performance by uh, Kevin Klein. I think I that was great, and uh, Bryce Dallas Howard.
0: Yeah, you
1: know, yeah, Except when she has to start pretending to be a bo- pretending to be a boy, and then it stops yeah. really
0: working. Right, and uh, you know, Kevin Klein's another one who really likes doing Shakespeare. And I, I don't know. Do we? Do we? address mid- midsummer night's dream or do we just let it no, it's just it's one of the comedies i think like in there's
1: all you know the tempest was also made and i love yeah. the, the tempest and i did yeah. not like the movie yeah uh, there's a lot of them we said there's 500 of them so you're gonna if you want to find most many of shakespeare's plays have been adapted i will say the interesting thing is when i looked this up and i saw that bronagh had only made six shakespeare films yeah i was actually shocked i thought there were much more it just seems like he was making one a year One point, he actually has not made as many. He hasn't made one since 2006. That's 16 years ago. Yeah, did make a film called All Is True in 2018, which goes into our other category. Maybe this will lead, which is films about Shakespeare and and why filmmakers and storytellers want to now tell films about Shakespeare. What is it about the mythology of Shakespeare? We're breaking down the mythology of Shakespeare. All is true is fascinating because here's Kenneth Branagh coming in the later parts of his career. He's now made Thor movies. He's now made other things. And here right. he is making a movie about Shakespeare in his last days, who's right. essentially coming to terms with the fact that he lost his son way too early in his life and wasn't there essentially because he was off becoming Shakespeare instead of being father. And now he's dying and he's coming to terms with this. Hmm. What does this mean for a filmmaker like Branagh to t- t- tell this story? Other people have told the story of younger Shakespeare, like Shakespeare in Love, John Madden, yeah. or I don't know, there's other ones also that try to deal with, uh, you know, who really wrote this stuff, like H- Anonymous. is right. another movie. Um, so I'm just curious what you think, why we're seeing in the last 20 years, especially these movies about Shakespeare.
0: You know, some of it I think has to do with being clever. When you take such a high profile person a high profile author and you know you you want to invent a little bit their backstory or you want to uh unpack all the rumors about his not writing his own material or stealing from philip marlowe or who you know all of these sort of conspiracy theories about shakespeare i think at the end of the day i can't think of a more iconic writer if you just google right now the expressions that shakespeare invented right things that we use commonly i think he is um he's an enigma to people and i think that's almost i think that's almost like for someone who is so
1: right other than let's say the bible can you think of another writer whose writing is still so present, their words. Right. Their I mean, it, it, so wild goose chase
0: was invented by Shakespeare, Shakespeare, right? Like even some of the
1: Greek tragedies that we're all very filled with and everybody likes to throw around things like, you know, um, Homer or something in these stories. Shakespeare is still 400, what, 400 years later. Yeah. Still so much a part of our lexicon. When we're telling stories, we reference a character of his as a metaphor, like, it's pretty unbelievable. I, I think that's tremendously why. I think all is true. Like, if you watch this movie, I want you to tell me which character you think is being played by Kenneth Branagh because you might not realize at first. Okay. And it's not the first time he's done this where he puts on makeup to the degree when you would never recognize him. Interesting. So I would recommend all is true. I think it's really, it's my favorite film about Shakespeare. I will I'm be honest. Like I hope this is not too sacrilegious, but like, I do not like Shakespeare in Love. I was one of the people who was most disappointed that Harvey Weinstein got that film yeah. to win an Oscar and that shouldn't have an asterisk at this point because who yeah. knows yeah, what he yeah. did to get in that one. I think we will continue to see Shakespeare movies. I think both of the variety like Kenneth Ronagway makes yeah. and yeah. like Joel Cohen just did with Macbeth. I think yeah. we'll consider to see adaptations like Rosalind like we just got and yeah. I think we'll see things that we never ever expected to see. And I hope Directors continue to think of interesting ways to bring a cinematic language to the language of Shakespeare. And that merging has given us so much rewards. Uh, It's pretty awesome.
0: For, I think your example of Ethan Hawke's Hamlet, it was such an incredible way to modernize the story, story storyline, the storytelling and his intensity that you get from Hamlet, but in the very Ethan Hawke way, and you know, very um, slicked back hair, and and the way that people are wearing Shakespeare characters on their bodies. I think you know Frances McDormand when you look at her in uh, Tragedy of Macbeth she just she just wore it on her body right like it was a a whole different kind of performance and i think that that's why it continues to be compelling for filmmakers and for actors because trying on shakespeare characters taking a shakespearean play modernize or doing it straight ahead with with modern actors who have to really learn to understand Shakespeare and understand the language and understand the context. I mean, I, I would think that this is one of the greatest and most fun challenges for a superior actor and an incredible challenge for a director who really has a vision. So who wouldn't want to play with some of the best play, you know, that that exists? Right. I I just, I can only imagine how much fun doing these films, these Shakespeare films, must be for filmmakers and for actors. I have one last question for you, and it's, it's a fun question that you and I both like. We like playing with this. What director would you like to see take on a Shakespeare play?
1: Oh for me that's easy. I always want to see a Tarantino Shakespeare, play- Shakespeare.
0: Uh, You're brilliant. Why did I even ask? I just would like
1: to see what he, he can do with that. I don't care if he contemporizes it. I just think like you know, for somebody who is all about how language informs the cinema and you can see his cinematic language comes from the language of his of his writing. I'd love to see how he could play with Shakespeare.
0: Ugh, I can't even top that, Yekil. That's too good. That's too good. I I was trying to think of a woman like Ma- Maggie Gyllenhaal or you know uh, Chloe Zhao, but damn it, you 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 went right to the pinnacle, right to the top. I I gotta I have to see a Tarantino Shakespeare play now. So obviously Tarantino Quentin Quentin huge friend of the pod doesn't miss an episode of two movie jews especially now that he's fathered two jews married to an israeli uh and so quentin you you have your marching orders from the two movie jews and tell someone about two movie jews we love to get subscribers give us your feedback Rate us on all the places that you rate podcasts. You can find us, of course, on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, Stitcher, and others. Please follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Two Movie Jews. You can also follow me, Jody Berman, at Jody B J O D I B E E, and you can follow Yechiel on Twitter at Yaak yeah Hoffman. And let us know if you have a topic you'd like us to cover.
1: So that's our episode for this week. Jody. it's been great getting to talk about movies with you. It's really my favorite thing to do.
0: Me too. It's my favorite thing to do too. So, L'Chaim. To life. To movies.